December already, as has already been mentioned, and uh, we're, we're um, kind of sliding into Christmas, and before you know, we'll be sliding out of Christmas into the new year, and everything will be unfolding. Uh, if you're planning on traveling, uh, some of us, some people have already gone, obviously, away for Christmas, but just have a safe trip, hey? And uh, if you're hanging around, don't forget we have Christmas Day service here, and we'll have a great morning. We always have a great time on Christmas Day here. So, uh, of course, you can be a part of that, invite family, friends, if they're here with you, that'd be great. So, but have a wonderful Christmas, and maybe a blessed Christmas, and may it be more than just, just the uh, Christmas presents and the, you know, even just the carols or the, the food, or uh, I'm not quite sure what kind of Christmas you'll have. Maybe you'll have none of that. Maybe it'll just be extra family members, whatever. But may we remember the reality of the, really, the, 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 the thing of Christmas, of course, is Jesus, isn't it? And, and just the incredible thing that we celebrate around Jesus Christ and him coming into this world. And I want to just turn to your uh, passage that I started last weekend, just this two-part series on, on Jesus. And it's just, I want to read again Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25 and, um, and talk to you about that. This is one of the, Matthew, each of the Gospels have got their own account about Jesus, but Matthew gives his account and uh, about Jesus Christ. It's interesting because I first heard, would have heard this read to me as a four-year-old, and I don't remember it being read to me, but I know it was read to me because my kindergarten teacher um, was obviously a Christian because she had us do a little play of the nativity scene. And the reason that I know about that, because I was in it, and not only that, my mother took a picture, and I played the part of Joseph. I, wow, that's my claim to fame and acting. And uh, so I don't know why I got Joseph. Maybe I was the taller boy in the, in the class. I don't know. Um, but I would have had this read to me as a four-year. Praise God for kindergarten teachers, hey, that read the Christmas story to their kids because at the age of 13, I then responded to that message of Jesus and became a Christian. And I'm sure it started way back then with my, my uh, Sunday school, uh, sorry, my kindergarten teacher. Uh, the other thing about um, this story is, of course, it has many characters. It has Joseph and Mary and Gabriel, the angel, uh, but, but Mary as well, I, my other claim to fame is I played the part of Mary. And um, the interesting thing about that is that I was 16 years of age. Who is a 16-year-old teenager wants to be a, and play a part of a girl? Anyway, they convinced me to play because there was no one available. And uh, I had to, thankfully, I had a draped uh, cover over my head. And all I had to do was just sit there and no one knew it was me under there. And to this day, no one does. I wasn't going to say that, but anyway. So my claim to fame is I've played both Joseph and Mary. I know how it feels. And so I have a bit of empathy for these two, especially Mary, you know. Um, not that I had to give birth or anything, but, but uh, here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
And because Joseph, her husband, was a faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You, you, you can read divorce in our culture and think, oh, they were already married. No, they weren't. See, when you were engaged in the, in the Jewish culture, you were as good as married. It's just that you hadn't consummated it. You weren't, the, the w- woman was often living in her parents' house and Joseph would have been, the male's living somewhere else, maybe in a bachelor house. Um, and so that was good as married. And so they used the terminology in English in divorced because they were as good as married. And, and so Joseph, being at noblemen, uh, to put her away quietly. And after he had considered, verse 20, after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you'll give to him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What a commission, hey? You're born to die. <laughs> Jesus knew that, but. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, actually Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, uh, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Wouldn't it be great if every young man had a dream about the girl he was going to, and God would just tell you directly, this is the girl you're going to marry. Wouldn't that be brilliant? You had no kind of trying to work it out. But I think God likes us to work out because he wants to build something into our lives. But anyway, Joseph had that wonderful opportunity uh, to have, you know, this is the girl, you know, marry her. Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. What a great name. I, uh, I read this series of events and uh, when, if you may be like me in my earlier days when I read these series of events, I'd have to admit that they're quite strange and weird and just didn't seem uh, like it was, it, it wasn't normal, wasn't it? It just doesn't, you know, it, it is a bit weird. I mean, Mary uh, it conceives in an unconventional way. And then Joseph in a dream has Gabriel Angel turn up and say, you know, you're going to marry, you should marry, tell him to marry Mary. And not only that, uh, the angel tells Joseph what the sex of the baby, it'll be a little boy, even gives him the name Jesus. And then when, um, so that all happens. And then, of course, when they give Jesus is born and they said, this is be Jesus' name. And then they call him something else called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we have a series of events that could seem, and certainly as I was a younger Christian, it certainly seemed a little strange and weird because I hadn't heard of that way of, of um, conception, certainly, and hadn't heard of that way of babies, all this surrounding the birth of Jesus. But as I've grown up a little bit, I've realized there's something about the birth of Jesus, which isn't really weird or strange. Because as I look through, come to understand what was really happening, it's not strange, it's, it's what we call, and what I shared started last week, was it's unique. It's incredibly unique. Jesus' birth, his whole life was incredibly unique. And, you know, and unique in the sense of exceptional, and, and, and unique in the sense that no one else, exclusive, no one else in history had what happened, how Jesus' birth happened. No one else. It's very exclusive. And so I've come to appreciate it's unique for a reason. It's just not so God could have a nice, you know, fun time and Mary can conceive the Holy Spirit and Joseph have a dream. Oh, it's all good. God isn't some puppet in the sky just trying to manipulate us. No, he does things for a purpose, folks. And, and, and there's things that happen in our lives sometimes. We've just got to trust him and, and put out. And, of course, we've got to yield to him and surrender to him. But we need to trust him. And certainly with birth of Jesus. 
Certainly with the birth of Jesus, this was incredibly unique for a purpose. Everything that happened was for a purpose. And as, and, and as I mentioned just quickly last week, I think it's worth mentioning again, his coming was pre-announced like no one else in history. No one else in history had the, the pre-announcement of their birth like Jesus. There's, and it says in Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. That happened hundreds of years before Christ was born. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Just think about that for a moment. No one, there's nothing written in any book about me or um, that, you know, my mother's going to give birth in 1963 on the um, 17th of February to this little amazing little boy. Um, and no, no one, you know, pre-announced my birth, and that's fine. I didn't have to have that. But no one pre-announced you. No one pre-announced some of the people in this world who have claimed to be God or have a message from God, like Krishna or Confucius or Muhammad. No one pre-announced them. And yet for Jesus, he was exclusive. He was unique. In actual fact, Plato, even non-biblical um, historians, Plato, 400 years before Christ was born, um, declared that there would come a king out of the east. Um, um, Socrates, 500 years before Christ was born, claimed much the same thing, that there will come a, a king that will come and rule the, rule the world. Not in the way that maybe we thought it would happen, but Jesus certainly did. So it wasn't just biblical reference, it was um, non-biblical reference of men and women who proclaimed this and foretold it and could see it happening. In actual fact, there's over 300 prophecies or, or pre-announcements about Jesus' um, birth, his life, and his death, and they all have come to pass, and yet there's still some to come. Isn't that incredible? I, I want you to grasp the, 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 the enormity of this at the moment. You know, if you're ever going to set someone up to, to really be able to be believed in, wouldn't you pre-announce them and, make, and, and see it happen like that? Because there's certainly a lot of other belief systems out there that say that their God or their, or their ruler is, is the true one, and yet that theirs was never pre-announced like Jesus. I think it just is so strong and solid, isn't it? And you know, as I look at that, I'm so encouraged that I don't believe in a mythology. I believe in a fact and a, and a true historic Jesus as well. Isn't that great to know? You know, it's, it's, it's encouraging to know. And, and it strengthens my faith because I live in a troubled world. We live in a troubled world. And, it, and if, if God can organize the birth of his son so um, accurately and so wonderfully, surely he could um, organize my life as I surrender it to him um, so wonderfully and set in place what he wants to see happen as, as I trust him and walk with him in the struggles that I face in life. And I have seen that over the years, that the struggles come and go, but I'm thankful my God is solid and he can walk me through it as I trust in him. If he can organize his son so accurately, why can't he organize my life and your life? We can trust him, can't we? And so I, I say all that to say the other thing about the uniqueness of Jesus. You know this, but he split time in two. You know? And, all, and what I'll say about this is, is that your birth date is a testimony to his existence. When were you born, Nick? What year? 2000. 2000. What a wonderful year to be born. So you were born 2000 years after Jesus Christ. 
And every time you celebrate your birthday, you should, you should celebrate Jesus because your birthday, your birth year is a, is a testimony to his existence. He split time, BC before Christ, AD, Latin for in the year of my Lord. You know what? Whether you believe in Jesus or not, everybody goes by the same calendar, don't they? I wonder if there's a group of people out there who want to get rid of the BCAD and say we don't, because it's all related to Jesus. I don't know, there's probably a movement. If you searched Google it, you'd find someone who didn't want that. But the truth is, we can't get away from the fact the focal point of our timeline is Jesus Christ. Amazing. I think that's a really good point. I think that's encouraging. Um, number, number three, very quickly, because Jesus is unique, because he lived his life backwards. He lived his life backwards. Revelation 13, 8 says, The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Interesting point, isn't it? Even before the world was created, Jesus had agreed he would be slain as a sacrifice for sin. He was born to die. And the, and the little manger that they lay him in in Bethlehem that night was overshadowed by the reality of the cross because Jesus would die some 33 years later. In actual fact, it says in Matthew 121, what we just read, it just says she will give, um, Mary will give birth to a son and you give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their what? Sins. He lived his life backwards because his, the cross overshadows the manger and the truth is if he was never going to die for humanity, he really didn't need to be born. But he did know that his future was sealed and he, so he was born. He came obedient to his father and for our lives and our sakes, he came and give it, gave it all. I, I love that. So let's move on. Other unique things about Jesus is he had an eternal prehistory and I've kind of just touched on it slightly. Jesus had a story that was back then, okay? And, 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 it, and um, it, it was what um, made him who he was. And we all have a story on our past, don't we? Jesus had a past story. Um, and in his past, my past story was I was born. Um, I could just give you the short version. Born, lived, and one day I'll die. But, you know, there's a lot of things happening between birth and, and death, isn't it? We all have a, a story. And, and Jesus was no different. And, and, and sometimes what we need to realize is our story that's happened in our life so far uh, helps us to see what we are now and what, who we are now. And it gives us identity of what we are now and how we faced life and how we've continued to face life. We all have a past that gives us insight into who we are today. Now, the interesting thing about Jesus, it says in John wrote this in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it talks about Jesus before, um, it, it, before we even the world was around. It says, In the beginning was the what? The Word. And this is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So the point that I'm making is that before they called Jesus was Jesus, he was called the Word. Interesting, he was called the Word. And, and, and when he was born, they gave him the name Jesus. And, uh, and of course, he, they put on the Word, they put flesh and blood and tendons and bone, and they became a little human being who grew up um, in Israel. And so we see as the Word, he lived, you've got to understand, he lived from the beginning and, and if, and if you, you lived in the days of Jesus and are able to sit down with Jesus and ask him this question, maybe you could say, hey, Jesus, uh, where are you from? And he would have said, from the beginning. 
I can't say that. Someone asked me, I'll say, well, I was from, well, if you really want to know, it's from a little farm outside of Gympie. No, no, Jesus, from the beginning. What beginning was that? Well, you know, uh, before time even existed. What do you mean? Well, he would say, when everything was being made, I was there. In actual fact, I was not just there, I was making it. So here we have Jesus. This is incredible, isn't it? He, he was making it. He was there. See, Jesus' story goes back to eternity before history began. And you know, Jesus actually said in John chapter 8, 38, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. So, so the truth is Jesus was a long time before Abraham because he was actually before the earth. And you know, for my finite mind, I, can gra- I, I, can, I grapple with that. Well, what was there before the earth? Because I like factual things. I like concrete stuff. And you know, the reality is, is this is the trust factor that we got to give God. That Jesus, before the earth was there, Jesus was. You know, in Genesis, God says, let us make man in our own image. Who was the us? Oh, Jesus was a part of that. He was there. Amazing backstory. No wonder he could face the, the, the incredible um, things he faced while here on earth. Because he knew where he'd come from. He knew who he was and he knew where he was going. No wonder he could face the cross. He, and you, you know, when you know that your life is meant for good and your life is not just some accident, but it's a purposeful event. And that's what belief in Jesus gives you identity and purpose and understanding that you're not just some blob that, that originally came out of the mud and then climbed into a tree and you, were, and you climbed out of the tree and started to walk. No, no, you're a purposeful person that was conceived and born with a purpose because you're a created being of the living God. And that gives you incredible purpose. Thank you for that overwhelming encouragement. <laughs> Are you there today? You're allowed to talk. Not to anybody beside you, just to me. Jesus had always existed before because in eternity past, he was the word. And he, not called, he was not called Jesus Christ. He took on flesh and blood. And I love that. So this baby in the manger was like, Unlike anyone who ever existed because he didn't begin to exist at conception. He didn't exist at conception. If, 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 in my imagination, he took this incredible being, Jesus, and Jesus just, and God, sorry, just shrunk him down into this little thing in the womb of a lady. And then it came out and he grew up again. He just went, you know, it's just amazing, isn't it? Anyway, we don't want to think about that too much. Um, but he, 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 he pre-existed before conception uh, because conception was just when he took on flesh and blood. So, so Jesus, what was that point all about? He had, a, he, he had an eternal prehistory. Here's another interesting thing about Jesus. For someone, um, for someone so perfect, he had an extra messy family tree. For someone so perfect, he had an extra messy family tree. Now let's look at his life on earth here, his genealogy. It was pretty messy, uh, to say the least. Um, he had part of his history that was very human, even though he was God. Um, and, 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 and he grew up in the womb of a Mary. And, you know, and birth would have been normal, pretty normal, I imagine, and messy. And, but that just didn't, it kind of representative of his family tree because Mary and Joseph's genealogy makes for some very interesting reading. 
because uh, Jesus was a part of, of um, uh, Joseph's um, genealogy, his line. And um, an interesting thing is when you start to look at what Joseph's family tree was like, it was far from perfect and far from healthy. In actual fact, it was quite dysfunctional. Um, notice the angel says to Joseph, what we read originally in Matthew chapter 1, it says, Joseph, son of... Someone had it. Joseph, son of David. You know, that could be, that, that, that's a wonderful title because we know David is an incredibly wonderful king. And so we should remember him as that because he was. He was the greatest king of Israel. He was the shepherd boy. But, we, you know, he was the sling and, and, and killed the bear and the lion and Goliath and all those things and just went on to rule, you know, rule Judah and then Israel. And he was a great king. But who knows, he had a dark side to his life as well. <laughs> and he didn't try and hide it. He confessed it and he sorted out. But you know, there was a moment in Joseph's life when he committed adultery with a married woman, Bathsheba. You know the story. And, uh, you know, that's, and then if that wasn't enough, he was, he was part of the Bathsheba's husband's murder. And actually, in fact, he instigated it. He was the godfather of the day, you know, just going, get rid of this one for me. And so we see, you know, and Bathsheba herself wasn't totally innocent in the situation, you know. Um, she was involved there somewhere. And so this is part of Jesus' line. And if that wasn't enough, there was a couple of wonderful ladies who were prostitutes. Now, in God's scheme of things, he used them wonderfully and amazingly. But, you know, Rahab and Tamar were both prostitutes. They were Jesus' um, family tree. And there was another wonderful lady, Ruth, who wasn't even a Jewish lady. She wasn't even an Israelite. She was a, Moab a Moabite. And she was worshipping idols when they found her in the book of Ruth and before she came into God's family. So, you know, it reads better than probably a modern-day soap operas, folks. You could do a real... You could re Not that I watch those shows, but I can gather that, you know, there's just a lot of... Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So, notice... We need to understand that Jesus' family tree, and I often thought about this, why is Jesus' family tree so dysfunctional? Why is there so many blotches? You ever, you ever thought about that? There's a lot of blotches in the... I've got some blotches in my family tree. I mean, blotches in my life, let alone my family tree. Um, I'm just glad that Jesus comes along and paints white over them, you know. That's good news, isn't it? He says he takes as my sinners like filthy rags and he makes them as white as snow. That's incredible. That's the grace of God, isn't it? And if you want to know more about that, you need to come tonight. But um, So when you read Jesus' story, there was people who had some blotches in their lives and it was far from perfect. But it kind of helps me understand. This is the conclusion I had. It kind of helps me understand and foretells the love that Jesus would have for people with blotches in their past. In actual fact, every one of us here, because in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, um, Jesus said something really incredible, and this is what he said. He said, there are those who are well who don't need a doctor, but I've come for the sick, those who are sick, or a physician, as it says in the NIV. Jesus came for the sick in heart. Jesus came for the sick in soul. Jesus came for the sick in mind. He came for um, not just physical sickness, but our sickness. Sometimes the greatest sickness that seems to uh, run right across our nation and our world right today is the sickness of our soul, of our emotions and our, and our thoughts. And our, that's the sickness that seems to do just 
incredibly great harm to the world today. And Jesus says, you know what? I've come for that. I've come for that. And you may ask, well, who are the well? Can I just, I've got a sneaky suspicion that there is a need in all of us. And there's times in all of us when we've been something, had an element of sickness and that we've just needed Jesus to come and put his healing touch upon our hearts and lives or help us see through that struggle. I think for all of us there is. I don't think anybody actually, you know, you know, we can live in elements of wellness, but there's times when there's some blotches that we've just got to let Jesus come and deal with. I'm just so glad that Jesus come for us and just didn't say, I come for the healthy. I'm just going to get the blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, the best of quality, culture, or whatever, and they're the ones who are going to make it into heaven. No, he came for us. He came for the Tamars and the Rahabs and the Davids. He came for the Ruths who didn't even worship God but worshiped idols and yet before she surrendered to the Lord's family, of course, and came to God. So, you know, that's the one. I'm thankful for that, that Jesus had a, had a past, uh, you know, not him personally, but his family tree was far from perfect. But I'm thankful that he collided. He wanted to collide with an unperfect world so that he could see something incredible happen in our lives. He came for us. You know, incredible. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the Jesus we serve. So the Jesus, his, his, one more. Jesus was the only child whose mother resembled him. That's how unique he was. Think about this. His mother resembled him. And, and think about it. His mum looked like him. And you may say, well, you know, because often when we have children, if someone says, oh, she, oh, that little baby just looks like the mother or looks like the father. We all do that, of course. We always look at children and say, I can see the mum and dad in there. Always remember my oldest daughter now, Gabrielle, when she was just seven, she came to me in this church one day and she says, dad, someone said I look like you. And, and then they said, I'm going to grow up, just look like you. I don't want to look like you. I said, honey, it's okay. It's just, it's just a phrase. You're not going to actually look like me when you grow up. You will be a woman. You won't be a man. And, you know, she just didn't quite grasp the reality of that. But, you know, the truth is, with Jesus, it was really different. Because the truth is, Mary did really look like he, she took on the image of her son because her son was her creator. Her son was a creator. Jesus created his mother. It says in John 1, 3, through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus. You know, so Jesus is the child that, his, um, that made his mother. She resembles, we resemble hopefully our God, not physically, not in looks generally, but in the image is what, how we, our character, our personality are displayed. That we can love one another, that we can forgive one another. Those parts of our image that are so precious and so important. Did you know this outer body is limited? It's getting old and grey. And it's getting wrinkly. But you know, the inner person can be renewed. And that's what we need to know. That part of us can be resemble our God. That's what it needs to resemble. As Mary held Jesus in her arms for the first time, Mary was looking at her creator. Looking at her creator. Have you realized that you have a creator who loves you? What an amazing thought. She held her creator, and not only her creator, but her savior. Her savior in her arms. Can we have the team come? How amazing to think that the one who made the son, listen to this, the one who made the son, he was there when the sun was created. He was forming it, needed the warmth of swaddling clothes as he lay in that manger that first Christmas. 
he needed. He humbled himself so much. He, he brought himself to that point of coming amongst men. How amazing the one who was the living word with all its principles and all its laws and all the things that we needed to follow in the Old Testament, but now thankfully under the new. He was living in Bethlehem because, because he was there because there was a law that said you need to come to Bethlehem to uh, register for the census. That was the law of the day. And Joseph had, was, had to come back to his hometown, the town of David, and register. And so he, Mary had Jesus in Bethlehem. He was there because of a law, and yet he was the one who established it all in the first place. How amazing is the one who clothed the grass and the flowers of the field was himself naked, though wrapped in a little swaddling blanket. How amazing. How amazing the one whose hands fashioned the planets and yet was too tiny to reach out and even touch one of the animals in that stable or whatever he was that first night. How amazing. He, I'm trying to help you to see the humanity and the reality of Jesus being fully man, fully God, and he brought himself to a point of allowing himself to be so vulnerable, so vulnerable. Do you know, I think for us to receive and accept, not just believe in Jesus, but to receive and accept, I too think that we just have to reach down in our hearts and be vulnerable to him. And you know what I find? There's one thing that's needed for us to continually be receiving and accepting Christ into our lives. It's humility. It's just humility. It's a bowing of our hearts. It's being vulnerable enough to say, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need him. I need him in my life. I need to realize that he created me. He established me. He gave me identity. He's got a future and a hope for me. And even when this life is finished, there's eternal life in heaven. What a wonderful, what a wonderful path that he wants us to lead. And, and, you know, the world so speaks against that so many times. Because the world says, no, do it yourself. Live for yourself. You can look after yourself. And there's some people who do a pretty good job of it, I suppose. But there comes a moment in eternity when we pass from this life to the next where we're all going to be, um, we're all going to have to come before God and say, God, give an account of ourselves. And I pray that, that you'll be able to say to God, God, I live for you. And I loved you. I didn't do it all perfect, God, but I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I humbled myself before you. Do you know about the three wise men who came to see Jesus? It wasn't necessarily on that night. It might have been, we sometimes put it all together, but it could have been anywhere up to the age of two that they actually visited Jesus. But, you know, as they came, there's one thing that Matthew says in Matthew's gospel says about the wise men. They bowed. And they stooped and they worshipped. And it's a sign of great humility. And you know, we have to do the same. I've discovered something in life. One of the most darkest um, enemies of my soul is my pride. My pride. I'm okay. I'll be right. And it still wants to rule and roost sometimes. And you've got to just say in the name, I don't need that in my life. I need to humbly come and submit and bow. Can we stand this morning? Because we're going to worship him. One last time to this morning. We're going to come and just for a moment acknowledge him again. You know, the greatest gift that you could have this Christmas 
is to receive Christ and know Christ in your life. And my prayer would be that you wouldn't, um, that this morning, if you do not know Jesus, if you never received him into your life, that you'd feel, that you'd feel that compelling um, heart, not because of what I said, but because the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. So I just want to pray for you today. And I want to ask that you'd respond to him. You know, and I'd ask you to do it sooner rather than later because, because we can all put things off. And you know, life can be short sometimes. And I, I, I just want to make sure that I've got you know, it all covered in relation to my relationship with him. And I pray that will be your heart's desire. So Father, let me pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the gift that you gave us this Christmas. Far greater than any gift under the tree is the gift of your son. And we thank you for that gift. We thank you that it, it contains you know, peace and joy and hope and eternity and salvation and forgiveness and mercy and grace. Father, we would not be here if it was not for your unmerited favor that you've shown us of grace. We thank you for that. And I pray for people today that maybe are in the valley of decision about whether they will believe, but not just believe, but confess you as their Lord and their Savior, that you'd help them, Lord, to push through and say, yes, I want to do that. I want to receive. I want to accept and I want to live for Jesus. Help them, Father. And I pray that in this meeting that you'll put your hand upon them and they'll not be able to run from the reality of where their soul, what you've, the, um, uh, the question you'd ask of them is to receive me, receive me into your life. Help them to do that, Father, I pray. I pray even today, whatever that may be, in Jesus' name, we commit ourselves to you. We give you all honor and all praise. Come on. How about we just worship one more time today? Thank you, Lord.